chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And do we dismiss the children? Oh, turn it on. Okay, here we go. Thank you, sir. You know, when you get old, you need help. <laughs> All right. We made it. We made it. Now, do I dismiss children? How about old people? All right. Okay. Good to see you here this morning. We're just thrilled to be here. We love First Baptist Land of Lakes. That was my granddaughter singing uh, Lauren with Brendan. And Lauren is the one without the beard, if, <laughs> if you were wondering. Uh, the best looking of the two or three or four or five. We're just thrilled to be here. How many of you folks would be like Mary and myself? You may have been here at First Baptist before, but you're not a member, and so at least technically you're a, you're a guest. I don't feel like a guest. I almost feel like a member, but I am a guest. How, how many of you folks would be guests in that you're not a member of the church? Can I see your hand? Wonderful. Well, wonder we're just glad to have you here, and it's a thrill to have you, and we are legitimately honored by your presence. Okay, you got uh, Mark chapter 10. Let's look down at verse 13. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says, And they brought young children to him, that is to Jesus, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he, that is Jesus, took them, the children, up into his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Father, this is a wonderful story, and we're so grateful for it. Help us to learn from it, and help us to see wonderful truth that is in this wonderful story. Help me as I speak, be with friends as they listen. May we leave today with truth in our hearts by which we can live. I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. You got to love little children, don't you? Don't you just love little children? Now, it's a little harder to love them if you have to take care of them all the time, but it is a joy to see little kids. At the ranch, we have three day camp weeks. We have three youth junior weeks, two family weeks, and three day camp weeks. Day camp is for young people in Murfreesboro our hometown. They come out in the morning uh, before 8 o'clock. They stay there until 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and then their parents come and pick them up. It's been a real blessing. It's a little bit like daily vacation Bible school. So we have all kinds of kids from all kinds of backgrounds. They preach to these young people Monday in the late morning and in the afternoon, Tuesday in the late morning and the afternoon, Wednesday 
in the late morning and the afternoon. And then Thursday, we give our first invitation. So all week, they're discussing God and creation and righteousness and sin and judgment and hell and heaven. And by Thursday, the kids have heard clearly exactly how to be saved. And so we give our first invitation on Thursday morning. In the three um, day camp weeks last summer, we had well over 100 young people saved. I think it was 140. But we had well over 100 young people saved because they're lost, they've not heard the gospel, and they come out and hear it and be saved. Well, on Thursday morning of one of our day camp weeks, I went to the service, and I was sitting in the service, and they gave the invitation. Here's the way they do it. They say, how many of young people would like to trust the Lord Jesus as Savior? Raise your hands. Well, fine. If you'll just go with the counselor and go back in the auditorium, and they'll pray with you, and you can get this settled. It really is a wonderful thing to see. Now, the auditorium seats 700. We can only take a little more than 200 day campers because of the counselor involvement. We can only have so many per counselor. So there's plenty of room in the back of the auditorium to deal with the young people. So they had given the invitation. Several young people had come forward, and I was standing with a fella that was helping with cards. He was giving cards out that could be filled out so we could have a record of young people trusting Christ. And after they had been prayed with... now. You've got to remember, there's Monday, there's Tuesday, there's Wednesday, there's Thursday, and then there's the counselor dealing with the young people and praying with the young people. So after they're dismissed, so Tyler Thornton and I were standing in this aisle, and young people were coming back. Well, he stopped a boy that was coming back. I guess he was nine years of age. And he said to this boy, what did you just do? And the boy looked at him like, weren't you in the service? And he looked up at him and he said, I just trusted the Lord Jesus to be my savior. And Tyler said, that's wonderful. He said, if you were to die today, where would you go? And the boy said, to heaven. Tyler said, that's wonderful. He said, listen, if you were to die five years from today, where would you go? Now, the intent of the question was, when you're saved, you're saved. And when you're saved, you're safe. And if you go uh, from this life today, or if you go in five years or 20 years, you're still going to heaven. That was the intent of the question. So he said to the boy, if you died five years from today, where would you go? And the boy looked up at him incredulously. And he said, I'd still be in heaven. You can't die twice. <laughs> now, don't you love that answer? That came from a nine-year-old boy, a child. Now, in the story, people, I suspect parents, brought children to Jesus that he could lay his hands on them and bless them. When they did, the disciples, seeing it, rebuked the people who brought them. They said, essentially, don't bother the master with these little children. And when Jesus saw that, he was sorely displeased. And he said, suffer or permit the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Then Christ went on to double down in our current language on what he said when he said, 
In fact, except you come to God as a little child, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's interesting. The Bible doesn't say that children need to be like adults to be saved. The Bible says that adults need to be like children to come by faith through God's grace to be saved. Now, what does the Bible mean when it says that adults have to come like children? Except you come as one of these children, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Well, there have been several ideas put forth. I want to mention two this morning that are both wrong but are fairly prevalent. The first is this. Well, an adult has to come like a child because a child will believe anything. So an adult needs to be like a child and believe anything, and therefore he believes the Bible and the gospel. It's, it's almost insulting, but some people have said that and believe that. Well, it is partially true that children do sometimes believe strange things, is it not? For example, now you're not, you're not going to believe me on this, but trust me. Trust me, all right? Did you know that ch- some, some children actually believe, they actually believe that bunny rabbits lay eggs? Did you know that? If you have an adult who's dishonest enough to tell a child that, sometimes they believe that at Easter rather than hearing that Easter is all about the resurrection of Christ who died on the cross for our sins. But some children do believe that. You know, some children believe, this is, this is way out of the box, they believe that at Christmas time, a little old guy, who nonetheless, while little, is chubby, will bring you a present, and he brings the present and enters your home through a chimney. Now, in Florida, you all have chimneys, don't you? you, all have, you you've got to have a chimney or you can't have Christmas. And he come, I don't know how the guy gets down through the, the, uh, the chimney, but he, he gets through the chimney. And, and how, does he, how does he get presents to millions and millions of children in one night? Well, it's easy. He flies. Oh, he, he takes U.S. Air. No, no. He has a sleigh, and the sleigh is pulled by reindeer, and the reindeer fly. It's hard to believe that anybody of any age would believe that. I used to think, you know, they sing the song, you better be good, you, you, you better not pout, you better not cry, you better be good, I'm going to tell you why. Santa Claus is coming to town, and uh, he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And I used to think to myself, if he's bringing a present, why do I have to be good? You don't buy presents, do you? You don't get a present because you're good. I never once gave a present to my children because they were good. I gave them presents because I loved them. Isn't that true? All right. So even as a child, I used to think this Santa Claus thing doesn't make sense. But you know, there are some kids who believe in Santa Claus. 
and I see some of you with shocked looks on your faces like, you mean it's not true, Brother Bill? Yes, that's, that's basically the case. So children do believe strange things, do they not? But so do adults. About uh, three years ago, I was watching the news. Now, I don't watch the news very often. Uh, in fact, I, I haven't seen a national news broadcast for more than 20 years. You say, Brother Rice, you don't watch national news? No, I don't. Why not? Because I like to be happy. <laughs> and so I don't watch the news. But I was watching this newscast, and there was a hearing on Capitol Hill. This is in Washington. And it was in the House. And this man who was in, he, he was working in the medical field. He was not a doctor, but he was working in the medical field. And he was asked by a congressman this question. Quote, can men bear children? He was asked that question. Well, <laughs> I know the answer to that. And he looked right at the person asking the question and said, and I quote, yes. Now, you know, there are people that believe that. And they're adults. And they promote not. Now, there is a caveat. The deal is uh, they are not biological men. Well, whatever kind is there? <laughs> well, if you ask these people, there's all kinds of kind. There's a guy in Florida that is a church. We're going to be there next week. It's down in South Florida. And on the men's room, it says men, and then it says, <laughs> forgive me, biological males only. Now, you've got to know this pastor to appreciate that, but I, I would ask the question, what other kind of male is there? Well, there are people that will tell you there are many other kinds. There, there are many, many. So they're adults, but they believe this simple fallacy. Are you following this? So believing anything easily is not the reason you have to be a child. Here's another thing they say. Well, children will follow anybody. Now, there's truth to that as well. I mean, it is true that children do follow. In fact, you have probably told your kids, Mary and I did ours, we don't want you hanging out with so-and-so because we didn't think so-and-so was a good influence on our kids. So we often said to our kids, no, 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 we don't want you, we don't want you hanging out with these people. So it, it is true that children don't always have good discernment as to who to follow, but isn't that true with adults? Have you not don't get don't get upset with me. Have you seen some of the politicians that adults have elected in the last four years? Have you seen some of the celebrities that people follow? You know, uh, look, I appreciate athletes. I appreciate professional athletes. Professional athletes do things that 90 plus percent of us could never do except in our dreams. But a professional athlete is a professional athlete. So when somebody says, now who are you going to vote for? Now look at me, I'm serious about this. I don't care who you votes for. I, he catches a ball. 
I don't care who you vote for. I really don't even want to know. I'm not influenced by the person for whom he votes. Even if he votes for the person I'm voting for, I don't care. I don't say, wow, he made $30 million last year in football, and he's voting for my guy. I don't care who he votes for. He is an athlete, which means he's great every place except right here. <laughs> and so I'm not really interested in whom he votes for, and I'm not, I, I'm not interested in following him. Somebody makes $100 million through singing. I don't care what they think about anything. What do you think about marriage? I don't care. What do you think about love? I really don't care because that is not their expertise. So it is true that kids sometimes follow the wrong people, but so do adults. That's not the answer. What did Jesus mean when he said, you're not going to get to heaven or to the kingdom of God unless you come as a child? Well, somebody says, he means childlike faith. Well, wonderful. What is childlike faith? The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That's Hebrews 11. Verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, that's God, for, for, for God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So God honors faith. So what is faith? It's trust. It's trusting God about whatever. In other words, if God says something, I trust God that that's true. If God says I'm a sinner, if God says he loves me, if God says he sent his son to die in my stead, in my place, I can trust that. A child comes by trust more easily than an adult. And that's because a child has to trust all the time. You have a nine-year-old boy, and he wakes up in the morning, and he says, Mommy, my head hurts. And you say, go into the bathroom and get the children's aspirin and bring them to me, and we'll take two children's aspirin. And your boy comes to you, and he says, Mommy, there's no children's aspirin in the bathroom. And you go look, and he's right. So you need some aspirin. Do you ever say to your son, let's make him, let's make him seven, all right? Do you ever say to your son, get your dad's SUV, go down to CVS, and pick up some children's aspirin? Do you ever say that to your seven-year-old? Of course not. Number one, he can't drive dad's SUV, we hope. Number two, if he could, he doesn't know where CVS is, even though he's been there before. Number three, if he could drive and he didn't know where CVS is, he wouldn't have the money to pay for the aspirin when he got there. So if your child needs aspirin, who gets it for him? Dad and mom, or dad or mom. And a child understands that. A child understands, I'm not supposed to get in the car, go down to the place, and get the medicine. Dad and mom take that, take care of that. So a child is accustomed to trusting dad and mom for what he needs. 
That makes sense, does it not? So it's easy for a child to realize he can't make it to heaven on his own. It's not easy for us. You say to a child, are you going to heaven? He may well say to you, well, where is it? But adults never ask that question. You say to an adult, now, do you, do you think you're going to heaven? And they'll say something like this, well, I certainly hope so. I've tried to do my best. I've tried to treat others as I would have them treat me. I've, I've tried to live by the golden rule. I, I try to give to the poor and uh, to the needy. And I, I try to be sensitive to the needs of others. And you think that's going to get you to heaven? Did you ever ask the question, where is it? You know, this getting to heaven business is not as easy as one might think because we don't even know exactly where it is. If I said to you, where is heaven? You would say up. Well, if you mean up as in the north, that would probably be right. But if you simply say up, and I were in China preaching, and I asked believers there, where is heaven? They might say up as well. The only problem with that is up in China is down for here, and up here is down for China, is it not? So up, up, and even if you knew, where is it up? You know, if you had the vehicle to get yourself into the heavens, and you don't, but if you own the rocket to get you into the heavens, and the rocket was off at launch 3%, and let's, I'm just making this up, if heaven is 30 million miles away, then how far would you miss heaven when you had traveled 30 million miles? You'd be a long, long way out. Plus, you have to go to heaven after you croak. You know what croak means, don't you? That's a Hebrew word that means croak. It means you die. All right, so you have to go to heaven after you die. You know, you're not, you're not taking yourself any place when you die. This may come as a shock to you, but if you were to die today, you wouldn't go to the funeral home. You know where it is. You have a car that could get you there, but you wouldn't take you to the funeral home. Did you know when you die, you're taken by somebody else? Well, yeah, you say, of course, I know that. I'm dead. Well, how is it you think you can get to heaven after you die? See, a person doesn't get himself to heaven. The Bible says that again and again and again and again. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's through his mercy. God provides heaven. It is a gift. You don't provide heaven. It's easy for a child to understand that. Can you get yourself to heaven, son? I can't even get myself to CVS. I need, I need to ask someone else to do for me what I cannot do for myself. But the irony is, adults aren't like that. Well, I'm, I'm doing the best. Surely, surely God will weigh my good and my bad, and hopefully if my good outweighs my bad, um, I'll make it to heaven. Good luck with that one. Because the Bible says we're all sinners. You don't even know all the bad that you by nature commit on a daily basis. You need help to get to heaven. And unless you come to God recognizing like a child, I can't save me, I need a savior, you're doomed and you are damned. 
And so Jesus said, except you come as a little child, trusting God to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Stop and think about this. None of us in this room can even do what's right on this earth on our own. Well, you say, I can, I can be a good man. No, you can't. Let, let, me give you, let me give you some examples. The Bible says you are to love, are you listening? Love your enemies. Good luck with that one. Oh, no, Brother Bill, I can love my enemy. No, you can't. I'm serious. There's no way you can love your enemies. We don't love enemies. We may tolerate them, but we don't love them. You don't even love people who cut you off in traffic. <laughs> Have you ever done this? You're in the left lane. You need to make a right-hand turn. And on your right is a little lady with white hair, a sweet little lady with white hair in a 400-horsepower car, but she's not using any of it. <laughs> so you need to get in the right lane. You put on your blinker, and you try to get to the right lane. There are people behind her. There are people in front of her. The people in front are a long way off. But when you speed up to get in front of her, she miraculously speeds up. <laughs> You're desperate to get in the right lane. You try to drop back behind her, but when you do, the guy behind her is right on the bumper. You can't get in. And so you look over at this sweet little old gray-haired lady, and you say, you idiot! <laughs> he said, Brother Rice, I would never say that. Well, I hate to admit it, but I have. <laughs> you see, have you ever called a white-haired little lady driving a car in the wrong lane an idiot? Yes, I have. Many times, people. You say, well, why did you call this sweet little lady an idiot? Because she was an idiot. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And all of this comes naturally. I, I've never had this lady cut me off from my turn and then turn to her and said in my car, may you be warmed and filled, my dear, dear sister. I've never said that. I've said other things, but I, I've never said that. And, and that comes to us naturally. Now, that's a little facetious or silly, but the fact of the matter is, if you have a real enemy, you can't love him all by yourself. You just can't. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says we are to give forgiveness to people who have wronged us. The Bible says that you are to forgive people as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You're supposed to forgive people. You say, well, they didn't even say I'm sorry. It's not the point. You need to forgive that debt. Well, you say, yeah, but they were wrong, and this is not going to make it right. I know it's not, but I'm not the one that told you that you're supposed to forgive people as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You were wrong when you were forgiven, and originally you weren't asking for forgiveness, were you? Now, I, I know this. If somebody's wronged me, and I choose to forgive him, 
that doesn't settle it for everybody unless he comes to a place where he's sorry and asked for or accepts the forgiveness. I understand that, but the Bible doesn't say you're going to settle everything. It just says forgive people. You can't do that. Couldn't any one of us in this room say, well, Bill, you don't know what they did. I know I don't, but God does. He said you're supposed to forgive them. You say, but yeah, you, you don't know the hurt. They're... And it's not just me, it was my family. Or it's not just me, it was my church. Or it's not just me, it was my, my business or my job. Listen, the Bible says you're a believer, you're supposed to forgive people, period. You can't. And don't tell me that you can because you can't. The Bible says, I'm to love Mary as Christ for the church. There's no way I can do that. So how, how do we accomplish doing the things we're supposed to do? Trust one who can do for and through us what we cannot do for ourselves. Just like you come to God for salvation, you come to God and say, Lord, I'm supposed to love that person, and he's super unlovable. Would you work in my heart? Would you love him through me? God, you know how they hurt me with what they said and what they did, and it really is not in me to forgive them. But you can. So I'm trusting you to do in and through me what I cannot do for myself. See, if you'll face the truth that you can't even live the way you're supposed to live, then you can face the truth that you can't die the way you're supposed to die. But if you'll trust the Lord Jesus to do for you what you cannot do for yourself, you can be saved. And if you'll trust the Lord Jesus to do for you what you cannot do for yourself after salvation, then you can live victoriously. Somebody says, you know, Bill, I don't want to be saved because I don't want to claim that I'm a Christian and not live it. Well, face the fact you can't live it. Nobody can live the Christian life any more than anybody can get himself to heaven. But when you trust Jesus Christ for heaven, then you can trust him for victory in your life. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, but to as many as received him, that's Christ, to them gave he the power to become the children or the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now the word in John 1.12, believe, is interchangeable with the word that says, but to as many as received him. Receive and believe are interchangeable. To receive Jesus means to believe on him, and to believe on him means to receive him. So here's what the Bible says. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. When I receive the Son, I have eternal life. So what does it mean to receive the Son? Well, it means to believe in him. Okay, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? It means to trust him. All right, I'm going to trust. Somebody says, well, I, I believe in Jesus, but I, I haven't seen the change in my life, and I, I just don't know if I'm saved or not. Listen, if you will take God at his word and believe whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
The evangelist said in prison, when asked, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Trust God with it. Say, okay, I'm just a person. I don't deserve heaven. I can't earn heaven. I can't work my way into heaven, but I will trust Christ. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned, but he died. Well, I thought the wages of sin was death. Yes, but he never sinned. So why did he die? He didn't die because he was a sinner. He died because I am. He died because you are. He died in your place, and he offers you the gift of eternal life. And if you'll trust him, just like a child, I can't save me. Jesus can. I'll trust him. If you trust him as a child, you can have eternal life, and you can have it this morning before you stand up at the end of this service. And if you say, well, Brother Ice, I, I trusted Christ years ago, but I just seem to fail in my life as a Christian. You know, when you say that, it's wonderful to hear. Because isn't that typical? You know, I'm thinking, well, I can do it, and I, I, now that I'm saved, I can do it. Will, my son says, we trust Christ for salvation, and then after we trust him for salvation, we say, Okay, Lord, I couldn't save me, you did, and I'm thankful for that, and I trust you for salvation. Now, I'll take it from here. You can't take it from here. You can no more live the Christian life than you can become a Christian. So trust him to save you, and then trust him for victory. Things you think would be impossible for you will be possible if you'll trust Christ with it. I can't save me, Lord. I trust you to save me. I can't live righteously. I trust you in and through me to live the way I'm supposed to live. Let's bow for prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask the pastor to stand with me if he would. Could I ask everybody to sit up good and straight? I know our heads are bowed, but if you'll sit up straight, it'll help you to be alert and think. So our heads are bowed. I'd like to ask, Probably three questions, maybe just two. Let me ask these questions. Now listen, if you'd like to respond, you may do so by simply raising a hand. I'm not going to point anybody out. I will not name the section you're seated in. I'm not here to embarrass anybody at all. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to see if God's working your heart about a given area. So let me ask this first question. How many people here would say, Bill... I cannot say that I have trusted Christ as a child or like a child for salvation. I know I need to. I know I can't save myself. I see that. And I would like to trust the Lord Jesus today as my Savior. Now, if you'd like to, you can, and you can do that right where you're seated. And I'd encourage you to do that, all right? So if you're here and you'd say, Bill, I cannot say that I have trusted Christ as Savior. I need to, and I want to trust him as Savior right now. In my life, I want to ask the Lord Jesus to save me. And I don't, I don't mind if you know it, Brother Bill or Pastor. Would you slip a hand up where you're seated right this second until I see it, and then you may take it down. And we'll wait just a moment. Preacher, I would like to trust the Lord Jesus to save me this morning where I am. Just slip a hand up until I see it. Well, wait a moment. 
anyone at all. How, how many people here, you won't be embarrassed, how many people here would say, I, I may not be all I should be or all I want to be, but Bill, I have trusted Christ as Savior. I have trusted him to save me. Would you slip a hand up all over the room? Real high, real high. Wonderful. Thank you. You can take him down. Thank you. Now, have I missed anyone? Is there anybody here that would say, I, I, can't, I can't say that, but I want to. I want to trust Christ as Savior where I am. Pray with me and for me. Would you slip a hand up? Anybody else? Is there anyone else at all? Well, wait just a second. Anyone else? I can't say I know I've trusted Christ. I want to. Anyone else? All right. The second main question, how many people would say, Brother Bill, there are things in my life as a child of God that need to be corrected or <clears throat> settled or are cared for? You might say, for example, we've been hearing about the family and there, there are things that I need as a family member to be right with God. And I realize I can't do these things on my own. I can't forgive on my own. I can't love as I should on my own. I, I, can't, um, I can't recognize that enemies are to be friends in my heart and love. There are, I'm, I'm battling certain things, but I see today, I, I remember that I need to trust the Lord to do through me and in me what I cannot do for myself. And so I'm trusting the Lord today for something like forgiveness or something like loving um, an enemy. I'm trusting the Lord uh, for living as God would have me to live. And you'd say, pray with me. Would you slip a hand up where you're seated? Would you hold them high? Well, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Okay, you can take them down. Anyone else at all? Anyone else at all? Can I just repeat this? I'm, I, I don't intend to badger anybody. Anybody else who would say, I don't know that I've trusted Christ, but I want to? Anyone else like that? Anyone else? I'll wait just a moment. Okay, everybody, would you look right this way? Look right this way. And here's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and I'll pray briefly, and then I'll, I'll stop abruptly, and then you can pray where you're seated. And let me just ask you to do this. If God spoke to your heart, and evidently that's true in, in a number of dear people here this morning. If God spoke to your heart, ask him for your need. And if you're thinking, you know, uh, this neighbor of mine down the street or up the alley or wherever, I'm supposed to love him and I just can't. Okay, go to God about it. Tell the Lord that. You know, Lord, I couldn't save me and I can't live right for me. Please help me. Isn't that a wonderful truth? And, and you know, uh, not forgiving people is a terrible burden. Have you ever carried around the burden of they wronged me and you know, it's just a terrible burden? Look, just give it up. Say, God, I can't forgive, but I know you can. And I know you can for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, will you forgive them through me? And just ask God to give you forgiveness. Would you do that? You pray that. Then we're going to stand together, and they'll play. Could, could we just play softly and tenderly in a minute? That'll be all right. Uh, they won't have music right now, but in a minute, they'll play softly and tenderly. I think it'd be good if you prayed. You might just slip out and come down. Pastor will be here at the front. Just take the pastor and say, God spoke to my heart about X, and I've asked his help, and then go back to your seat.
You know, in Hebrews 10, the Bible says that in church, in the called out assembly, we are to provoke one another unto love and good works. That is, God's people are to encourage God's people. That's wonderful. And you know, responding in an invitation is an encouragement to everybody. It is to all of us. Now, we're going to have heads bowed, so people won't see you come forward, but I will, and I'll tell people you're coming. Just, just to be a blessing and encouragement to us all. And if you need prayer, somebody pray with you, you tell the pastor, and he'll get somebody, and they'll slip in a room here and, and pray with you. That'll be fine. But you pray, tell the pastor you did, and let's rejoice in it. Fair enough? Let's stand together and we'll bow for prayer. Father, you know hearts. I've seen these hands. We're so grateful for them. And you know the need. I don't know what it is. But living as you would have us to live is impossible in our flesh. And so we're coming to you to ask your help. And we know that you'll give it. In Christ's name. Our heads are bowed. We'll take just a moment. You pray right where you're standing.